0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. The book of Ephesians. We've been using this quite a bit. Well, if you think we're using it too much, don't feel that way because it'll be here forever. Jesus said, my word will never pass away. So if you think you heard it from me enough, when you get up there and you say, Lord, now remember back there when I was praying and I didn't get my healing? He'll say, and with his stripes, ye were healed. And you say, yeah, I know. I know you said that. But, uh, you know, I, I prayed and didn't get my healing. He'll say, himself took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses. Yeah, I, I know that, Lord. I know that, I know that that was written there, you know. But, you know, I, I still didn't get my healing. I wonder why I didn't get my healing. He'll say, surely he bore your griefs and carried your sorrows. Amen. Yet we did esteem him smitten, stricken of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our sins. Tran- er, Transgressions; He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes you are healed. And you say, well, Lord, you know, I know all that. I mean, is that what you hear people say every day? Well, I know them scriptures. Well, I know them scriptures too. Right? You know them scriptures? Well, let me say it to you like this. If you knew them scriptures, you'd get it. Isn't that Right? If we knew that we knew that we knew that we knew, then we'd get it. So we'll never exhaust the Scriptures. I'm going over the same Scriptures over and over and over again. I've never seen so much light at myself. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And I get more and more and more. This Word is endless. Can you imagine? We're going to get there and all is going to be His Word. His Word liveth forever. Amen? Amen? Can you see that? You talk about a walking Bible. He's just going to say the Word. He's just going to speak to us the Word. Did I not tell you, all you got to do is ask in my name and it shall be done? Didn't I tell you, lay your hands upon the sick and they shall recover? Boy, I'll tell you what, when I, when I get there, I don't want to say, why didn't it happen? I want to say, thank you, Lord, your Word's true. Amen. Amen? Amen? And I laid my hands upon the sick and they recovered. And I didn't, you know, die from drinking any deadly poison. But the Word's true. And I know that With his stripes I was healed. Thank you, dear Father God, for it. It's building the Word into your spirit. It's getting God's Word built into your spirit so that it becomes light in your heart, in your spirit. And then it becomes light in your soul. And then it becomes light in your body. Amen. Then the whole body, the whole man is full of light. So, let's go over these scriptures again. The fourth chapter, verse 11, where he said, and he gave gifts unto men. He gave some prophets, or apostles rather, and prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till so we all come to the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, being tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, uh, by the sight of men and were by the lying way to deceive, but speaking the truth of love may grow up in him and all things, which is the head, of course, even Christ, from whom the whole bodily. Fiddly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in what? This I say therefore, and testifying the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of the heart. That verse right there is a whole sermon. Or shall I say a whole seminar. Having the understanding darkened, you've been called in the light. Being alienated from the life of God, you've been made a partaker of the life of God through the ignorance that that is in them, but we've made a partaker through the knowledge of Him because of the blindness of the heart, but we have the light shine into our heart, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Amen? We said that this morning. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness, but you have not so learned Christ, if so that you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off... There's your first... Put off concerning the former lifestyle or conversation. The old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So put off the outward man. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then put on. That you put on the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and holiness. Now listen. Put off. Renew. Put on. Put off. Renew and put on. Go to the third chapter of the book of Colossians. We'll read some of these foundational scriptures. If ye then be risen with Christ, verse 1. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection or passions on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with Him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members upon which are upon the earth. Mortify... Your members. Put off the outward man. And he goes on and names them. Verse 7. In the which you also walked in them sometime when you lived in them. But now also put off all these. See, he's saying to put off some things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man. See, the old man. This old man. This old man was crucified with Christ. And this body of ours, which is the agent of sin, should be mortified. Mortified. Look at the next verse. He tells you right here. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in what? We have tried every way to please Him. We have tried every way to be a good Christian. We've done everything we thought we knew to do to walk worthy unto the Lord unto all pleasing. And yet you hear the cry throughout all the body of Christ. Many on the bed of affliction. You know, many in despair. Many being downtrodden. Not knowing what to do. But brother, I'd pray if I was worthy. I'm just not worthy. And they're sincere. They say, oh Lord, here I am. Beloved, may I say this to you? These people love God. They love Him. They're faithful people. They love God. They've not been taught. Isn't that a shame? Isn't that a crime? And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith, unto the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And there was that newborn babe saying, glory to God, hallelujah, glory came down, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. I'm born of God, I'm a new creation, I'm a new creature. And 30 years later he said, I'm just not worthy that he should heal my body because he's been beat with a whip three times a week behind a pulpit such as one of these and said, you're just an old sinner saved by grace. Of course, the outward man delighted in that. The devil enjoyed it. And he never learned who he was in Christ. Never learned how to walk in the Spirit. Never learned how to walk by faith. Never learned to be changed into the image of the Almighty God. That he can walk above these things. Isn't that a crime? I don't know about you, but that's a shame. And it's a crime. Would to God, would to God that some of these men of God would know that we have the responsibility, the awesome responsibility of taking the word of life and handling it with loving kindness and tender mercies. Not abusing it, but using the word of God for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Now listen. Let's read this again. Verse 10. And I put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge. See, that's how that man's renewed. He's renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. You know, I'll tell you something right now. God created us. He recreated us. I, I shared with you this morning. I'll just reiterate for maybe some of you weren't here and that's okay. You need to know it again. Even if you were here. Adam was created a little bit lower than Elohim. Just a little bit lower than God. The Father God, by His own desire, in will, in way, formed that body so that that body would be the very express image of the life He was to breathe into that body, which is the Spirit. Adam smiled. I believe his face shone. I believe his eyes beamed. I don't believe he knew how to frown. I know he didn't know how to murmur or complain or to chide. I know he knew of no pain. And so all that that earthly body, that physical body that he had, that body was expressing the very life and image of the life that was breathed into his spirit. Isn't that right? until sin flooded his spirit, and then he was the expressed image of satanic forces and powers. This body, beloved, that once radiated the life of God, now radiated the life of the devil. The knowledge of good and evil. What a shame. But blessed be God... God sent forth His Son, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of God's person. Jesus was the brightness of God's glory, the express image of God's person. You know why He wants you to act like Jesus? Because Jesus acted like God. You want to know why He wants you to walk as Jesus walked? He that says He abideth in Him ought Himself also so to walk even as He walked. Because Jesus was walking with the Father God. And may I say this? Jesus never did one thing for himself. Not one thing. Can you imagine somebody living 30 some odd years on this earth and not doing one thing for himself? Not one. Not one. The closest he came to doing one thing for himself was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will. The only time he wanted to use his will was right there. But he said, Father, not my will be done, but thine. And again, through humility, he submitted himself unto the word of God, unto the Father God, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and gave him a name above every other name. I was meditating back there and the Spirit of God quickened something to me and I'll share it with you. It seems as though we that have Purpose in our heart and committed ourselves to walk in uncompromised love, walk in the divine love of God, walk free from selfishness, esteeming others more highly than ourselves. We call it the love walk. People call it walking in divine love or walking in agape love. Some, some of us call it the love walk, just walking in love. Some of us call it First Corinthians 13, chapter verses 4 through 8. It seems as though that when you begin to walk in love, it seems as though you become a doormat, it seems as though you're a failure seems as though everybody's walking all over you. That's what it seems like. seems like as though you're not winning. And uh, the devil will make sure somebody laughs at you and say, Ha, ha, hey, look at you. You call yourself a victorious Christian. Look at you. But you know what? Ever since the warfare between God and Satan began, way back there, you know, in the beginning, when Lucifer fell, tried to overthrow God, Finally, he got man and got a hold of man and destroyed the relationship that Adam should have had with the Father God. God so loved us. Now listen, God so loved us. God so loved us. God so greatly loved us that love began to go to work. He never stopped loving us. Love just continued to flow. Even though defeat after defeat seemed like, let's face it. You get down to Noah's time, it seemed like there only eight people left. Well, they were they even worth saving? Eight people. But he didn't stop loving. Even though man was filled with wickedness and hatred and evil and would not even seek the face of God, one man was found righteous upon the whole face of the earth, hated God, laughed at him. God still loved. He loved. It seemed like he couldn't, It seemed like he was a loser. It seemed like he'd be a loser. I mean, you go out into the world today. it seemed like you would be a loser to join up with God. <laughs> That's from the outward appearance. But love was still flowing. Love was still going forth. Love was still being aggressive. Father, the Father never stopped walking in love. Love kept right on going, right through every battle, right through all the warfare, right through all the fall of, of Israel, right into, through the Egyptian bondage, into delivering them and so on. And they had his victories and Satan had his victories. seemed like as though if you was walking with the devil, it seemed like you was doing pretty good. seemed like that. I mean, let's face it, when all the, the children of Israel had Jehovah God and they had to go and turn to all these false gods, why did they turn to them? It seemed like they had more than what Jehovah was giving them. But he still loved them. He still loved them. He still loved them. He still loved them. His love was poured out. His love kept, he didn't stop. He didn't stop loving them. It didn't matter what they did. He just kept on loving and kept on loving and kept on loving and kept on loving. And love kept on going right, you know, right on down through the ages. One day, love was manifested in the flesh and kept on loving and kept on loving and kept on loving. You talk about being, uh, you know, laughed at and spit upon. You talk about being beaten, whipped and crowned with thorns and, and laughed at and, and gathered around and mocked at and etc. And etc. And etc. you know how horrible it was. You, you think about it. You think about it. And he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. It was love speaking, you know. He loved them. He loved them. He kept loving them. He kept loving them. He just loved us. That's all there is to it. The Father God just kept loving us. Jesus kept loving us. He said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He loved us. He loved us. He loved us. Then on one day, love won. Oh, it seemed like love was defeated right there on Calvary. It seemed like love was defeated forever. It seemed like it could never win. But then you can hear the Spirit of God whispering softly. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. Love never fails." Oh, ye of little faith, love never faileth. It never failed. And you know what? Love can never fail. Oh, it may look like it will. Oh, it may look dark. It may look like you're getting walked all over. It may look that way, you know. But blessed be God, I know this. Love never faileth. Love never faileth. When I begin to walk in that love, I will never fail. Oh, it may look like that to you. It may look like you're a doormat. It may look like everybody's just running all over you. You know, just like they did to Jesus. But blessed be God, love will never fail. You're being changed into that. You're being changed into that kind of love. Daily. Day by day. Matter of fact, you remember over there? Where he said, uh, for the perfecting of the saints... Perfecting of the saints. Let's read on down here a little bit. I'm going to skip ahead here. Look, look at what he told you to put on. We're going to see some things he told you to take off, but he told you to put on some things. Put on, therefore, as elected God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind. That's verse 12. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of what? Till we all come unto a perfect man. Man, when you put on charity, you say, I don't understand this kind of talk, put off, put on. What do you mean put off, put on, put off, put on, put off, put on? I shared with you over there in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, that he said we have got to strip ourselves of these senses. We got to strip ourselves and, 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 you know, this outward man, crucify him, extinguish him from our very being, and replace every characteristic of the that this outward man shows shows forth with something that's of God. He tells you all these things to put off, but he replaces everything with something from the divine life. The ultimate is putting on charity. For this is the bond of perfectness. And the person that's walking in love and is perfected in love has cast out all fear of his life. He is walking in harmony with his union with God. He's walking in the very love of God. He is the express image of God in the earth. Jesus was the express image of his person. You ought to walk as who walked. Beloved, it's attainable. I don't care whoever never gets there. I don't care if a thousand fall by my side and ten thousand by my, my right hand. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to put to death this outward selfish being. I am going to extinguish the passions of this outward man. The I wills. The I wills. You want, you want love's test? How many times did you say, I want today? How many times did you say, well, I, well, I want to do this. Seek not his own, but every other's. seeks the others. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Be of one mind, be of one accord. Beloved, I'm totally convinced that if we can get a body of believers together, that will have this one purpose in mind, that I will walk in God's person, which is love. And I will commit myself to walk in that love. That I may be perfected in love. You are going to have a body of superhuman people. You're going to have a body of Jesus people. You're going to have a body of Jesus people walking in this earth doing the things that Jesus said you'd do. You are going to be fulfilling John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, when, 12 verse, when Jesus said, Verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the things I do shall ye do also, and greater things shall ye do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified, and the Son ask anything in my name, and I will do it. It's exactly what you're going to be doing. I don't know about you, but I'm just growing right into it. Step by step, by step, by step. I can almost, and I don't like to use the word feel, I say sense it. You sense it in your spirit, but you feel it in your outward man. I sense it in my spirit, and I feel it in my outward man. I just know that I'm being changed. Now, you can't explain that with words. I just know. Now, doesn't the Bible say that we are being changed from glory to glory? Doesn't it say that? Beloved, you better know that something's happening to you. I know when I got saved, I got changed. I know when I began to walk in love. I, I know I, I, the first time I ever began to practice a love walk, I had to pinch myself. I did some things that were contrary to the human nature, you know. I made some, you know, wild things. I began to practice walking in love. I'm going to share with you how to do it. But let's look at some of these other things and let's, let's identify with this, this outward man first so we can know what to put on and know what to put off. Know what to put away from us and know what to put on us. Let's go back over here to the book of Galatians. Let's let's start there. And uh, we'll just read through these to give you scriptural grounds for what we're saying. This entire walk is a warfare between the life of God and the life of Satan. We happen to be involved in the middle of it. We have been made a partaker of the life of God now in the new birth But this outward man still has within it the lusts and the desires of the old life, the old man, which you'll see over here in Scripture. But let's start with verse 16. This I say then, 5th chapter, 16, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Remember I said I want to say how to do it. I want to know how to do these things. I'm not enough just knowing that Scripture. I know that Scripture. You know that Scripture. We can read it backwards and forwards. I mean, you've read it many, many, many times. Beloved, that scripture don't do you any good until you start doing it, until you start walking in it and, and, and doing what it said to do. Walk in the Spirit. And I begin to see more clearly now what he's saying about walking in the Spirit. Some of we, we had our idea about, you know, as we're growing up. Walking in the Spirit was getting in your little old prayer closet and praying in tongues all day long. Boy, I was in the Spirit today. I prayed in tongues all day long. Well, what did you get out of it? Well, you know, I just prayed all day long in tongues. Whilst walking in the Spirit. Well, that's part of walking in the Spirit, but I mean, there's more to it. You know, you get out there, all, you know, I was just so proud. You know what? If there was anybody else there for you to get in strife with, you did pretty good, didn't you? But as soon as you walked out of that prayer closet and you got over there on the job or with your wife or whatever, you got in strife in five minutes. You did real good. Think about it. Think about it. When you're by yourself, you can't get in strife. Well, I don't know. I never got in strife with myself, With you? It's easy. Get in strife with somebody else if you're not alert. If you don't walk in love, I'll tell you right now, if you're not going to, you know, dedicate yourself to walk in love, it's easy. And you mark some of these things because we said the characteristics of this carnal man is one who walks with strife, envy, division, vainglory, all these things. Malice, gal, and evil speakings. You mark that fellow, he's just not a spiritual man. And let's face it, we've got to grow up. We have got to grow out of carnality into manhood, into spiritual development, spiritual growth. You've got to grow out of it. I know I'm growing out of it. I know we're not perfected there yet, but bless it be God, I'm growing out of it. Are you? This is growth. This is development. I've learned to shut my mouth in many times. Many times I didn't, but many times I did. So glory to God. And I just want to keep right on going and growing and growing and growing. You know, I never blame my, my little boy for falling down many times. Learning how to walk. Did you? Once he got down there, did you step on him and put your foot on him and say, Now you're not going to get up no more? No, you didn't do that. You helped him up and Come on, let's try it again. Well, blessed be God. our Heavenly Father's just like that. You fall over by the wayside. You know who's there? Jesus. Right by your side. You're yoked up with him. I mean, let's face it. He's stuck with us. Amen? You know, he's yoked himself together with us. So he's got us and that's all there is to it. But I know this, and some people don't know this. If I ever fall by the wayside, I know who's right there by my side. And I just say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, cleanse me. And I'm back up on my feet again. Brothers and sisters, this is part of your walk, and you've got to learn it. We've got to learn how to walk by faith in this area of forgiveness. But let's look at some of these things. now. Now, get it in the light of what we're talking about. This life... That the desires of the flesh, the outward man, have got to be crucified and put away or extinguished. And we'll give you the scripture here that means that. But look at this. For the flesh lusts or wars against the spirit. Let's put it this way. The senses war against the spirit and the spirit against the senses. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, you are not on the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest and here they are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immolation, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I told you in times past, that you, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, let's not explain them. Let's just read these first. I'm going to read the rest of them. Okay, those are the lusts of the flesh. Those are the works of the outward man. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Some people will say, well, is it wrong for me to do this? Or is it wrong for me to do that? Well, if it says it right there, those are the works of the flesh. You don't walk in the flesh, you walk in the Spirit. So mark it down in your Bible so we won't have to preach from the pulpit some of these things. See? It says right there, anything that's listed under the works of the flesh are no-nos for the body of Christ. Amen? Next part. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have. I gave you the scripture earlier. Circle the word crucified. It means to extinguish the passions or the selfishness of anybody, of yourself. And they, are you Christ's? Are you Christs? Anybody here in Christ? Raise up your hand. Now hear me. It is your responsibility, your spiritual duty to crucify the flesh. This is 99% of the trouble in spiritual growth and development and in the body of Christ. Most people think it's just demons behind every, you know, door that you look around under every rock and so on and so forth. The devil's the least of your worries. Or concerns. He's the least. I mean, somebody who's whipped and defeated and paralyzed, stripped to nothing and declining to his end, that's pretty low. He's not the problem. He is so much, you know, defeated that all John said about all this writing here about the works of the flesh and what they are, how to live your life, how to walk and conduct your Christian life, and about the devil... He says, "You are God, little children, and you've overcome them, evil spirits for greater he is in you, He's in the world. I don't see all the a bunch of writings in this New Testament about how to deal with the devil. You know what that told me? The devil's been dealt with. I said, the devil's been dealt with. he's dead, he's defeated, he's whipped. Amen we've been delivered from the power of darkness. The only thing you've not been delivered from, beloved, is this. Outward man. You are walking with it. Now this outward man is our responsibility as New Testament believers, as born again spirit filled Christians, to crucify, to extinguish the passions and the lusts. Saying you can't tell me that you don't have them because everybody has got a body, a physical body. You've got it. And we've got to do it. Okay. If you don't know what they are, then you won't know how to do it. Let's go over here to uh, the book of Ephesians now. He's, he, he went there in the next verse and said, If you live in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. Now notice, we read the Scriptures, but let's notice some things he says to put off. Notice he starts by telling you to put off these things. Put away verse twenty-five. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. If we are members one of another, be angry and sin not. Let not the sin go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him still steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands. Verse twenty-nine. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That which is good at edifying. That it may minister grace to the hear. We read these scriptures over and 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 over. But you know what? That verse twenty-nine. I think you can meditate on that till Jesus comes. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to edify them and that minister grace to hear and grieve not the spirit of God whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And do you know that if you don't put away those things that he just said right there, Peter said that if you don't put those things away, then as a newborn babe you won't be able to grow up and receive the word, that you may grow the milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Because Peter, in writing, in his writing, in his epistle, said, Put away these things, malice, guile, hypocrisies, and evil speakings away from you as a newborn babe. In other words, strip yourself down to a newborn babe by putting off this outward man getting it away from you, all evil speaking, all wrath, all, all these things that he's mentioning right here, and put on, as newborn babes, this milk of the word. And he tells you what to put on, going down to the latter part of this verse, 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. "...even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, be ye therefore followers of God, or imitators of God as dear children, walking in love as Christ also loved us, and give himself for us, an offering sacrifice to, to God for a sweet-smelling savor." Now look at, "...but fornication, and all uncleanness, are, or nor fullest just talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience." Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Why? For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now, over there in uh, Colossians we saw, go back there to Colossians. Let's look at some of these things and just show you all the scripture, what Paul is saying here. See, it's not a matter of knowing what to put off. It's a matter of knowing how to put it off. Verse, Chapter 3, verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection or your minds or your passions on the things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall he also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Mortify them. Crucify them mortify them, crucify them, extinguish them, get rid of them, put them off from you, put them away. I don't know about you. I think Paul said it like this, I keep under my body. And in one place he says, I, one translation says, I buffet my body. And in, in a better translation, I beat my body. I beat this outward man. Beloved, you know that most people have never done anything with this outward man, which is why they're having a hard time living a Christian life or a good spiritual life. And they're living in double-mindedness for all their days upon their Christian walk, and they're called carnal Christians for the rest of their life. And they'll never grow up to spiritual maturity because they never learn how to deal with this outward man and keep it under. That's the truth. Now, here's where we've got to start to grow up. You are an individual, and I say it, I say it collectively, I say it to individuals. If you as an individual, regardless of everybody else around you, will make the dedication to walk in divine love, to walk in the love of God, uncompromised. Love of God. Just walking in that love regardless of what anybody else does. I don't care how many fall by the wayside. I don't care how many fall at my side or my right hand. It doesn't matter. I and you, we should make a quality decision or the quality decision to walk in this divine love of God. If you will do that, you will be the one or one of those that will choose to go all the way with God. Every step you take will be the lordship of love. Every move you make will be a move in the love of God. Every word you speak will be saturated and filled with the divine love of God. Oh, it'll take work to get there. But beloved, when you get there, you'll be walking as He walked. You'll be living as He lived. You'll be manifesting, or let's put it this way, you will be an expression of the Father God in the earth. That's exciting to even think that we could be changed into this very image, that we can be an expression of the life of God. Remember what I said? Adam's body was made so that it could fully express the life that was in him, in this body. His spirit couldn't do it. If that spirit comes out of that body, it loses contact with this here natural world. But as long as it's in that body, it can express that life, that life of that world into this world. And so you and I have received the love of God. We've been born again. Love of God is shed upon our heart. And that love can be expressed from this that world into this world. And that's why he said in John 17, they won't know me unless you show them the love. And if you allow love to go flow through you to them, then they'll see God. They'll know there's a God in heaven because of the love. What was the the mark of the Christian. That they love one another. They'll know you're my disciples. How? Why? Because you have love one to another. This should be the ultimate goal of every Christian. This should be the desire of every Christian. This should be the labor of every born again Christian. To walk in the divine love of God. And we're, like I said. We're going to get through some of these things. And show you. Just how it works. Now. All these things here that Paul was talking about was differentiating or contrasting between these, these two lives. Both of them. The only way that verse 10 said, the only way you can have this outward man renewed into that very image of God is through the knowledge of Him. Or through the knowledge of that image. Let's put it this way. God could not... Show you who he was. He could not show you his love. Did you ever see a spirit trying to come and touch contact make contact with this? It'd go right through it. Oh, he could speak words to you and say some words to you and say some things to you. Then Jesus come right into the upper room and just come right on through the walls. I'm talking legally. The Father God wanted to manifest himself in this world. Man actually, and people, we don't realize some of these things. Man lost contact with God. When we said there was no way to reach God, God could not reach us. I mean there was no way. It's like that man who left his body and tried to make contact with the physical world in that, that there as being a spirit being and could not touch it. You've heard testimonies of many that left their body dying under an operation or whatever. Come out of their bodies and went up and floated into the, into the air and tried to speak to somebody or make contact and couldn't make any contact. Well, the Father God had to make contact with us, had to get our attention so that we could see who He was in, in, in the relationship that we have with Him. And know how much He loves us. But the only way He can do it was having a body prepared so that that body could be legally born into this world and then the Father God could live in his spirit, and then that outward man would be the full expression of who God's person is. And when Jesus says, "You've seen me, you've seen the Father," that's exactly what He meant. That's exactly what he meant. Think about that. Now how about this one? And the glory that you've given me, I've given them, I and them and thou and me, that we may be made perfect in one. Are you in Christ? You have the same life and nature in you. What are we saying? The Father God wants this mortal body to be changed by you, crucified by you, extinguished by you, and renewed by you through the knowledge of Him that created Him so that that which is in you and shed about in your heart will come out of you In such a way that it will be God living through you. That's a vessel of honor. You put away strife. You put away division. You put away jealousy. You put away envies. You put away evil speaking. You put away guile. You put away hypocrisies. You put away the flesh. You walk in the spirit. You are crucified with Christ. Now listen, that's the only way you can do it. The only way you're going to be able to do this. Go with me to Galatians 2 second chapter. The only way we're going to be able to do this is through this knowledge. Through this knowledge. You're not going to get it by fasting. You're not going to get it by prayer. I didn't say fasting didn't help and I didn't say prayer didn't help. You're going to get it by the knowledge of who you are and the knowledge of the image that He created you to be. And you're going to get it by the knowledge of the person you are in being recreated over there in Ephesians 2.10 what it says you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Who you are in that recreation. How God recreated you in spirit. And he said to walk in spirit he meant walk in that new, that new recreated man. In other words you are somebody in spirit and you are somebody in flesh. When you start walking who you are in spirit and stop walking who you are in flesh, then you're walking in the spirit. That's all it is to walk in spirit. You're going to get the knowledge of this. Look at Colossians the second chapter. I'm sorry, Galatians the second chapter. 220. Now Paul said these words. This he begins right here to teach. And this is one of the richest teachings ever given man is the law of identification. Identifying ourselves with Christ and Christ identifying Himself with us. So you make a note of that. The law of identification is one of the richest teachings ever revealed to Paul. He starts right here by saying, I am crucified with Christ. The average Bible reader reads it. He goes over it. He says, both those nice words. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. The law of identification is the legal side of your redemption. If you're taking notes, write that down. You need to know this. The law of identification is the legal side of your redemption. There's a legal side. There's a vital side. The law of identification is the legal side. It's what Christ did for you in His substitutionary work. It's legally done. That's the legal side of redemption. It's who you are in spirit. Okay? The vital side of your redemption is what the Holy Spirit, through the Word, has done in you. That's the vital side. It is true. It's a statement of fact. It's legal what Jesus has already done for us in His substitutionary work. That's that's legal. It's a fact. It's everybody's. The vital side of your redemption is what the Holy Spirit has actually done in you. I can quote the Scripture with Paul and say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Whereas many would have to say, the life I live in the flesh, I live according to the senses. Strike, division, arguing, jealousy, envy, and you just go right on down the list and just name every one of them. And like I say, I'm not, I'm not getting on anybody. I, we all got to grow out of this. All I'm saying is this. I said, if we ever taught some of these things, I, I, we'd grow out of it. Don't you know Peter said that if you received the, the milk of the Word, you would grow thereby? Well, if you're going to get the milk of the Word, you begin to grow. If you're not going to hear these things, you'll never grow. These are things I've never heard taught in church. I have never heard, very few churches have I heard teach on the lines of this Paul in Revelation. And understanding in depth. These laws of identification, the legal side, the vital side of your redemption. But look at what he said here. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? That's, that's the most thing that he, some of you are born again Christians. That's all I am. I'm a new creation. That's all I know. If you are a new creation and you are in Christ, then you ought to live your life according to this law of identification. Alright? Here it is. With Jesus Christ, I'm identified... In his crucifixion. Say it with me. I am, with I am crucified with Christ. First of all, that would be blasphemy if it were not true. Who's going to make a statement? Who's going to make? Do you know what that statement is saying? I am crucified with Christ. What kind of nerve did Paul have to make a statement such as I am crucified with Christ unless the Spirit of God revealed to him this fact. When Jesus hung upon Calvary's cross, and of course, he can't be saying, I was crucified physically with Christ, because if that were true, then Paul would have to be on that cross with him. But the Spirit of God in this great revelation revealed that the inward man, this hidden man of the heart, When Jesus became sin for us who knew no sin, this hidden man of the heart, Jesus became sin, your spirit, my spirit, all spiritual death was nailed to the cross with him. I am crucified with Christ. Paul could say it because the Holy Spirit quickened it and showed him that in the mind of God, in the mind of justice, Jesus wasn't the only one hanging there, beloved. In the mind of God, it was just as though all of us were there also. And anybody that's born thereafter that will, that will receive Christ, as far as he's concerned, if Paul could say it, I could say it, you could say it, say it with me again, I was crucified with Christ. Crucified. Most Christians never saw themselves crucified with Christ. I'm showing you the inward man, okay, the spirit, the spirit man. These are, these are all pertaining to the spirit man right now. At the start here. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ, me. but the life I live in the flesh. Now, he still says there's a life in the flesh. You're still living a life in the flesh. I know that and you know that. What do I do with this life? I live it by the faith of the Son of God. Now, see? It's only going to be by faith that you're going to be able to quench and put to naught this outward man. Now, he's crucified with Christ. Well... Let's go over to Romans, the uh, sixth chapter. If we are to be identified with Christ, and if Christ is to be identified with us, then the law must mean that Christ became everything I was so that I could become everything He is. Christ became everything. Did you ever hear the song, He paid a debt he did not owe, I owed a debt I could not pay? He became death so that I could live. He became sick so I could be healed. He became poor so I could become rich. He became separated from the Father so I could have fellowship with the Father. He became condemned so I could become justified. Everything He became, He became weak so I could become strong. Everything he became, he became sin, so I could become righteous. Everything he became was not for himself. Do you know that? Jesus, did you know that the Son of God didn't have to do anything for himself? I mean, I think he was pretty good up there in glory. Everything he came, he came to do for you. Greater love than no man in this. I'm laying down my life for you. I'm giving my life for you. So all that Jesus did in the mind of God was for you. And in the mind of the Father God, all that Jesus became, you became. He became all these things, first of all, crucified. Again, I was crucified with Christ. Look at, either he's a lunatic or a madman or somebody that's off the wall, some off the wall character, or this guy has a revelation. How could one say, I am crucified with Christ, unless he's talking about that spirit was nailed to the cross. Look at the next part of this. Romans, the sixth chapter. And verse, we'll start with verse six. We'll go right on through verse eight. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified. Now, here, here's the key word in understanding the law of identification. It's the preposition with. Notice, I am crucified how? With whom? With who? With Christ. Over here. Knowing that this, that our old man is crucified with him. Now look at this. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now notice this next part. Now if we be what? Now say the word with, see? The law of identification means... We have been identified with His death. I am dead. I have died with Christ. Think about that. Again, is He a lunatic? Does He know what He's saying? He's alive. I'm alive. What do you mean? You're dead with Christ. Well, as far as as the mind of justice is concerned, which is why you and I got to walk by faith as far as God the Father is concerned, you died, now see, here's the key word, with Christ. I was crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. You know why Paul could end up by saying, I no longer live? He saw himself dead. You know a dead person doesn't want anything for himself. He doesn't. He has no need of anything. So there's your second identification. You're identifying yourself with Christ. He was made sin for us who knew no sin that we could become the righteousness of God. Okay? The only way we could become the righteousness of God is if we are identified through all that He went through. Let's look at the next part here. Well, let's read the last part. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Now, go to Colossians in the second chapter and let's confirm that with another scripture. 2 and 20. 20. There's some things here, no wonder Peter says some things hard to be understood. Look what he says here in two twenty. <clears throat> Wherefore, if you be dead, and the next two words are with Christ. If you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Well, if you be dead with Christ, and we are dead with Christ, again, where's he getting this kind of teaching from? What kind of revelation is this? We're dead with Christ. In the mind of God, again, I say it. You are dead with Christ. You have died with Christ. It would do us good to say it like this. Get up in the morning and say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that Bill Anzabino is dead and Christ liveth in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Brother, you couldn't be selfish, I'll tell you that right now, because you're dead. You consider yourself dead with Christ. I died in spirit, and you're going to see that you're also, in, in baptism, you've been buried with him also. Go to the next, back to Romans here. Romans the sixth chapter. Again, you'll find these things in Romans and Colossians and some of the epistles here. Start with verse 4 this time. Underline these phrases with Christ. Therefore we are buried with who? With Him. By baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Well, hold your place there and go back to Colossians 2. and Let's read another statement here made by Paul. You've been crucified with Him. you died with Him. You're buried with Him. Verse 12. Buried with Him in baptism. Colossians 2.12. Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. You've died. You've been crucified with Christ. You died with Christ. You are buried with Christ. And go back to Romans. You've got your place there. Look, look at what He said back there in verse... Six. knowing this that our old man is crucified with him for what purpose that the body of sin might be destroyed we're getting some things about this outward man he is to be crucified he's to be kept under isn't that what he said crucify him he's to be kept under he's to be mortified and now he's to be what did you get it there that the body of sin might be what? Be what? Okay. Destroyed. Now, I want to show you something here. We have a, a teaching talking about suffering. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. Maybe others you don't. There's a teaching that goes around like about suffering. And this big deception is that we are to suffer trials and tribulations and sickness and disease and calamity for Jesus and you're doing it all for Jesus. You know, I mean, you've just got problems here and problems there and so on and so forth and uh, the teaching goes around saying, well, this is part of your suffering. You see, you've got to suffer for Jesus. Go to 1 Peter and I'm going to show you something. Not under- Lack of understanding. This is why we've got to ask the Spirit of God to open up our eyes to spiritual truth and understanding and all wisdom and, and understanding of His Word. 1 Peter is a scripture that's used to base this kind of teaching on the 4th chapter and verse 1 For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh he suffered for us. Let me say this to you right now. In the mind of God did you think Jesus suffered on Calvary? Anybody here think that? Well, you better believe he did. If I was crucified with him, did I not suffer with him then? Look at the scripture again. First Peter. For as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. What mind? Well, first of all, that Christ had suffered for us in the flesh. For he that hath suffered in the what? Okay, I'll tell you something right now. This kind of teaching is deception because of this fact. You are going to suffer in the flesh. But it's not going to be sickness or disease. Or trials or calamities or tribulations. Your outward man wants to do what your outward man wants to do. You have got to destroy it. Now wait a minute, you're talking about something that I'm walking around in. I'm walking around in this outward man. It's still a part of me. If you pinch me, it hurts. He's talking about mortifying it. He's talking about destroying it. He's talking about buffeting it. He's talking about crucifying it. On yourselves with the same mind that he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from what? That this body of sin might be destroyed. There are nobody around here that ever got out of sin just because you got sick. Nobody. But I'll tell you what, when every inch of you wants to backbite, and every inch of you wants to speak evil, and every inch of you wants to get even with that brother or even with that sister, and I mean you just got it right at the tip of your tongue, you are going to suffer in the flesh... To control it, to buffet it, to destroy it, to whip it, to beat it, to do anything. Anything you can, just grab a hold of that outward man and just don't allow it to be an expression of those kind of things. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to crucify it. Put away the passions of it. And you're going to suffer. Well, look at this. You don't see from sin just because you got in trials or tribulations. Next verse. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Now, Paul was saying, I live in the flesh, but I live it by the faith of the Son of God, not the lust of my flesh. And that's in perfect harmony with what Paul said in Romans, what Paul said in Colossians, what Paul said in Ephesians, right on through all his writings, it's the same same thing. As a matter of fact, it ties in perfectly with go back to Romans the sixth chapter. I'm not going to take time to go through all these. We got so many of them. Verse twelve. Well, look at verse 11 and we'll, we'll tie it from there. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. We have never waged the warfare against sin reigning in our mortal body as He wants us to. He said you are, those words are powerful words. Destroy sin. Crucify sin. Extinguish sin. sin get rid of sin. Suffer in the flesh. Cause that flesh to be buffeted. He's talking about a warfare, brother. You, he says the lust of the flesh, warfare, the warfare between the spirit and the flesh. I don't know about you, but when I think of a warfare, I don't just see little two kids playing around on the outside just with a little toy gun or something like that. I see bombs. I see a warfare. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I see somebody who wants to do what somebody wants to do, but something on the inside is tugging him this way, and that old man, that flesh, that outward man that needs to be crucified, is tugging him that way, and there's a battle going on. And let's read the rest of this. Might as well read this since we're here. We're not going to get a whole lot more. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. i tell you what, I want to wage a warfare against sin until sin does not have dominion over me, until sin has been put in its proper place under my feet, and sin does not lord it over me any longer. The concept we've had in the Christian churches are this, well, you're going to sin anyhow. And they've taken Romans the seventh chapter and just totally misinterpreted it. And said, see, even the great apostle Paul, he had a sin, 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 that's all he did was sin. Sin, 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 sin. That's all he did. That's not what Paul did. Paul was attaining to the resurrection of the life, resurrection life of Jesus Christ, in his mortal flesh. Matter of fact, he said it just like this in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, I believe, verse 11. Somewhere up there, I die daily, I I die all the day long. In other words, he was talking about die, mortify, crucify. What was he talking about? He wasn't dying in spirit daily. He was mortifying, crucifying, destroying this outward expression of this outward man daily so he would not allow this outward man to show forth the expression of that old nature or old life, old man, whatever you want to say. He was keeping it under to a place that this life on the inside would be manifest through Him. Matter of fact, hold your place there, go go to it, 2 Corinthians, real quick, we'll go back to it and close right here. Amen. Verse 11, 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 10 and 11. All oh, right, look it. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. This is exactly what he was saying. He's not talking about suffering all these dumb things that people say they're supposed to suffer for. He was concerned. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you.